and welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thin. I'm here with my co-host Matt Sheehan. And Matt, we have some positivity to talk about this time. Where would you like to begin? I'm almost emotional right now, JT. Here we are on a beautiful Sunday night, and it is a blend of two great things. The future, which is something that we've been looking forward to for a while here, as you know, we've been great in this search for Sure, absolutely. March Madness, every single time the tournament rolls around. I, you don't think I'm not mean mugging whenever that's on? <laughs> You're out of your mind. But, man, we get the final chapter of this coaching search in the near future. Also, the basketball team showing us, you know, what they were supposed to be as a top-five team in the last two games. Yes, it was just Alcorn State. Yes, it was just Butler. But, man, good performances from some key players. So you get a good future of that. But also just the present, too. I mean, we're going to talk about that Indiana win, of course. The women's soccer team made the Sweet 16. Mm -hmm. Our hockey team. Look, I don't know how, quite frankly, I don't know how a line change works, but I'm all in on this hockey team after back-to-back wins over number one Wisconsin. Like, are you kidding me? And then, yeah, just like we said, the basketball two wins. Like, JT, we're happy again. We're happy again. This is unbelievable. So how am I doing? I've never been better, JT. How are are you doing? No one ever asks you how you're doing. I'm going to ask you right here, though. How are you doing? You doing okay? Honestly, man, not great. You know, I, okay. as I told you before the show, been trying to train my hair to go backwards. Hasn't been going well. Today, yeah. I put on a, put on like a tight Nike skull cap. Not this one. This is just a headband. Put on a Nike okay. skull cap after I got out of the shower. Try to push the hair back. You know, sure. about, to, about to record. You give me the 10-minute heads up. Take it off. Seven hair going this way. 28 hair going this way. 35 hair yeah. going this way. Try to put some, try to put some product in there, made it even worse. Mm. And here you are yelling at me to hurry up and get on and and stop wasting your time. (laughs) I'm just kidding, man. Cracking the whip over here. Yeah, (laughs) That's right. Time's burning. (laughs) Yeah. So just uh, throw on a hoodie, put on this uh, headband and uh, we'll see what the reviews say in the comments of how stupid of a look it is, but we got to do what we got to do, man. Everything I see in the video right now, just the hoodie and the headband, is probably worth more than my entire wardrobe combined. So it's <laughs> it's fine. You're you're stunting. You're getting a fit off, as the kids say. So yeah, you're you're fine over there. Here, you're, you're just dandy. Come on. Yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate it. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, um, I'm going to talk about. I think people would overlook the the questionable wardrobe choices. But speaking of the content map. We have, as you said, tons and tons of things to talk about here. I think we'll kind of just chronologically go in order, start with football, kind of maybe touch on the coaching search and and the process of that, and then and then continue on to basketball tonight. The 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 nice win over Alcorn State. Football wise, Matt, coming into the game, what were your expectations? I guess did you think Michigan State would win? If you thought they would lose, why would what kind of where do you think they would fall short in? I'll be very transparent. Uh, going in, my mindset was, okay, if they lose, whatever. We've seen a lot right. of those this year. If they win, okay, great. I did not think that anything would like move me or, mm-hmm. dare I say, inspire me on Saturday. But when it comes out that this team won a game, first of all, back against the wall, they're, they're right. down four points going into the final drive. And then it comes out, too, that they had 45 scholarship players. What a game. <laughs> like, what a win for these players, for the coaching staff, which many of us, myself certainly included, have been critical of. I don't care if you are traveling down the road to play a Division II team. I don't care if you're playing Ferris State. I don't care if you're going on the road to play right. Indiana. Very clearly not a good Big Ten team. I, I don't care where you're traveling. Anytime you hit a road with half the allotted scholarships almost that you have mm-hmm. on a Division One football team and you get a win – yeah, we, we are going to celebrate that. That, that right. is to be celebrated and really be impressed by. 45 scholarship players and even more go down during the game. Right. And you still get the win. Like that is insanely impressive for Michigan State. I, I get it. You know, it's just Indiana. It's just your fourth win. Yeah, exactly. This whole season has been a nightmare. Right. The fact that these kids and the coaching staff rallied to get the rivalry trophy win with 45, I'll say it one more time, 45 yeah. scholarship players in the road. No, that that's that's almost remarkable, actually. Right. So that, that's that's my whole take on, on the yeah. game, just, just from a broad standpoint. For sure, for sure. And I think one thing that should be said, I know there aren't many things that you can compliment about Michigan State under the Mel Tucker era outside of facets of recruiting and then the yeah. 2021 season. 
But one thing that I think you have seen throughout the entire tenure is that this team doesn't ever give up. Now, you can go ahead and say they get destroyed from time to time, such as every time they play Ohio State, the Washington game this year, uh, the Michigan game this year. But it's never to the point where, oh, they kind of keep it close and then a couple things don't go their way and then they fall off a cliff and guys aren't trying. Those games consistent domination beginning to end. Other games, these guys never – they could be down a ton of points. They'll come in and yeah. they'll last drive of the game. Like even, even that Washington game, they're only touched on drive, the final drive of the game. And I think these kind of moments where you got 45 guys, you're, you know you're probably not going to make a bowl. Um, you still come out here and you go on the road. You win with 45 guys, like you said. Last year, the Illinois game. Um, yeah. I think that was fresh off of the tunnel, the tunnel incident um, right after the mm-hmm. Michigan game. They, in that game as well, had a couple drives where they had to play walk-on defensive linemen, just like they did this past game with yeah. offensive lineman Ben Nelson, a walk-on playing uh, DT when Derek Harmon was out for a drive or two. So, like, these guys are coming out here just absolutely decimated and still playing like everything is on the line for them. Um, last year, you could have credited Mel Tucker. This year, you can credit Harlan Burnett. Um, the position coaches in each room, probably, you can credit um, so yeah, like as you said, like we have been, I would say, fairly critical, uh, like fairly as unjustifiably critical um, yeah. about the staff, um, uh, pretty much across the board. I think I think Jim Salgado has has done a good job. I guess we we won't know necessarily how it all would have fit together um, had they kind of had a good offense and the defense had a good time of possession that you kind of would expect out of them and maybe the pass rush if, if it would have been there in some of these games. Um, but at the end of the day, I think pick, picking and choosing, some guys have done a good job. I don't think I've been a fan of kind of the rotation um, at offensive tackle uh, with, with Coach Cap. And I, don't, I don't like how maybe some of the guys have, have declined, like a J.D. Duplain. But I think the younger guys that do come in and play, the Ethan Boyds of the world, even the Kevin Wigginton's, I think Gino Vandermark yeah. has done a good job. Um, the younger guys that he got, which I always thought were very underrated, they continue to impress me. Um, so I guess on one hand, he might not be playing the right guys, which you'd think would be the easier of the two things. Um, and maybe you shouldn't be seeing your older guys regress. But the younger guys that are coming in and actually playing well, it seems like he developed those guys a decent amount for the next staff year. So you're, you're seeing some signs of, of future promise, like you said here. I don't know how many guys on this team are, are irreplaceable or above replacement level. Um, maybe you can go through and make a list. Um, I kind of did that. The number was was not as high as I thought it would be, actually. But at the end of the day, as as a cohesive unit and as as just a roster as a whole, it's not, the, the the cupboard's not bare here. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely better than when um, Mel Tucker took over um, after Coach D left especially just the body profiles and the size, um, offensive line, defensive line, they're going to have to replenish the linebacker room significantly um, into the defensive line room, maybe depending on who goes and comes back. Um, But other than that, you know, there's, there's a lot of promise here. They lost a lot of games that they shouldn't have. And I think it could be a quick sort of a a rebuild here where a coach that can come in and, and win right away and just have good game plans and just good discipline and good coaching. He can come in and turn this thing pretty quickly. I don't think, 10 wins or anything like that, but I don't think seven, eight wins and, and making a bowl game in year one is out of the realm of possibility. So I think it's set up yeah. nicely here for somebody to come in and look like a, look like a pretty good coach. Um, I'm sure the coach would be good if that were to be the case, but not as, not as bad as, as it looks. We've talked about foundation too, like why this is a desirable job for a head coach. Mm. Like, look, he, the, the sticker is still on the brand new football building. It is mm. clear. Michigan state does have a mark in NIL of course. And then we'll, Look, they've already committed resources to tough like right. assistant pools. Like this is one of the highest paid assistant coaching staffs in the country. But also the roster too. Like that now you're seeing that like no, there right. are a foundation of players here that you can build around. With that said, is there any individual performance that really stuck out to you? Of course, we could play the hits like Michigan State. Very obviously, this is not a hot take. Does not win that game without Malik Carr. Right, which like that was the Malik Carr that like we were expecting all off season into this season. I know it's been very up and down with injuries and then being out the last few games. But talk about a return! Oh my god! Like if an NFL scout just watched that game and that game only, we're hearing his name on the first two days of the NFL draft. Like it was like unbelievable what we were seeing out there. Of course, Montori Foster has maybe the best touchdown catch in the last eight years of Michigan State football. Like Aaron Burbridge. 
against Penn State is the reason I use that right. eight-year mark. But anyone else individually really impress you? Because I have a name that I want to blurt out right now. Mm. It is Jaron Mangum. And I know mm. like he's been out mm-hmm. for most of the season. And it wasn't just, you know, the handoffs on the ground and everything, but also just what he can do out of the backfield as a pass catcher as well. Which I got to say is something that I did not think that we'd be getting out of a Jared Mangum. But yeah, when you have 49 different running backs that are injured and someone needs to catch balls out of the backfield, hey, Jaron, um, we're going to be tossing you the ball here a little bit. And he made some hay with it. Like there were yeah, many drives absolutely. where he just bit off a few good chunk yards in key situations. So, yeah, it's been a bummer that he has been pretty much sidelined almost yeah. the whole entire season. But whew, I like I, I did enjoy seeing Jaron Mangum. Anyone else that was like, really standing out to you individually on your end. Yeah, I think I think those those two guys with Carr and Mangum are, are great names. I think Carr, we always knew he could do this, which is yeah. kind of what made it disappointing the last couple of years that that he wasn't doing this. It wasn't because like anyone was was down on him or somebody anybody didn't want him to succeed. It's because we knew right. he could do this all the time. And um maybe if, if he's still here next year, I know he's kind of had some lofty expectations for his future that kind of never added up to me about rushing to the NFL draft before he's willing to buy in and being a blocker and putting together consistent performances. If he's here again next year, I think the new coach, if he can get him to buy in as a blocker and maybe get into a little better shape, I think you have a very lethal weapon here on offense if, if he fully buys in. And then, yeah, Jaron Mangum, it's it's a shame that, I guess, for one, he wasn't healthy the whole season, but again, goes back to scheme and the offensive play calling and, and just sort of that whole thing of the offense not playing up to his potential. If he was here the whole season and you have him and Nathan Carter there and uh, Jalen Berger was also starting to play a little better, at least, at least in the passing game, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. So Mm -hmm. Michigan State had something there with that running back room for a bit. Um, But yeah, good names there for sure. I don't know if necessarily anyone else um, jumps into the forefront of my mind. Jordan Hall um, plays well, like usual. Um, Yeah, for sure. He, he just, um, I think at, at times uh, people kind of see that the tackles that he makes and, and get like really, really excited. And um, I think that's definitely the case, but I just like how he kind of instinctually just attacks. Um, right. And he, does, yeah. he doesn't act like he's a freshman. Um, sometimes actually I do notice that he kind of over pursues and, and maybe he, he kind of has the wrong read, but that's the, be- that's the beauty of playing so much as a freshman that as a sophomore and as a junior, he's going to be kind of being able to combine the correct read and the correct instincts with going ahead and making the plays. But I'm just, I'm glad to see him out there. I'm glad to see him getting tons and tons of reps. Um, I think, well, it's not that I think it's, I don't know who else would be, but I was going to say he's going to be the shoe in at, at one of the starting linebacker spots next year. Um, and then we'll see who they can get out of the portal and, and how the rest of that shakes out. But um, always good to see him in there. Um, a day Wiley, I don't know how many snaps he had necessarily, but he looked like he held his own out there for the most part. I know it's a three and seven Indiana team that doesn't necessarily have a lethal, a lethal receiver, but you know, I honestly didn't expect that he would be playing as a redshirt freshman right. um, and, yeah. in, in conference games. And um, even if he did that, he would hold up. So I, I think relative to expectations, he's, he's looked decent so far this year and what I've heard in practice. Um trying to think of who else i know ethan boyd has been pretty impressive but i don't know necessarily yeah yeah i don't know necessarily how impressive he was last game i think there were two plays that i saw that he kind of kind of got beat um and then i wasn't paying too much attention to him live in in the in the live broadcast but um he's been good throughout the year um just good to see him continue to get reps uh kane hauser um i think i've said this before but i think he plays too much in structure um he plays in a way where he does what he's supposed to do a lot. And when you're playing with an offensive coordinator in a scheme that does not have a lot of creativity and where the route trees are not set up in a way to creatively get open, playing within structure isn't the best, but you also can't go ahead and say, Hey, this, this 19 year old retro freshman that has never started a game and finished a game uh, without rotating quarterbacks until the Indiana game, um, go ahead and, and just play out of structure and do your own thing. Um, going back to, to middle school, he hasn't in high school, um, mm-hmm. at, at early on as an underclassman, uh, at, at his high school in Nevada, he was, um, kind of promoted from JV to varsity and the coach wanted to rotate him with the varsity quarterback, even though he's better than him that right. at St. John Bosco who's with Pierce Clarkson, who's now at Louisville. Um, so since, since Pee Wee, he, he hasn't had the full reins of the starting right. quarterback job. 
until um, I guess the Ohio State game. I know um, they brought on uh, the walk the walk on uh, Andrew uh, Shorefar. That's Shorefar. right. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I guess you can count that though as him having the full reins. So it wasn't until that yeah. game really that he had had the full reins. Um, Rutgers, I guess too. But I guess in between that, he he kind of was rotating with Sam Levitt, who I think is very promising. But yeah, sure. at, at the end of the day, I think uh, you continue to see signs of growth from him. Um, you're starting to see him be able to drive the ball downfield. Uh, that play to Malik Carr to win the game that was a very impressive throw if you go back and watch because he slid left out of the pocket. And then he threw across his body on a rope 45 yards in the air downfield yeah. and hit Malik Carr in stride. Um, that kind of throw, I hadn't seen that at Michigan State from him, but that's all he would do at St. John Vasco. Um, I don't know how much of that is just like him playing in sub 50 degree weather for the first time in his life. Um, but that's <laughs> not, not, that's, that's yeah. not going to fly as an excuse at this level. Um, but like, yeah, like in that Rutgers game, Probably the first time he's been outside in an organized football event. I guess practice last year, but 34 degrees and pouring rain. I I don't know about him, but I I don't know if my hands would work. And um, yeah, but but then there were a couple of games here where I think the Minnesota game wasn't too bad. Or actually, the Minnesota game was the coldest it's been at TCF Bank Stadium, right? It was the game it's, after it's, that. It's always 34 degrees in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. what month it is. It's always 34. Right. So right. Yeah. So was, like, I, yeah, exactly. So I was thinking like. I, I haven't seen the live arm I've seen from him at St. John Bosco so far at, at Michigan State this year. And I don't know if, whether to chalk that up to him just holding it back and he didn't want to overthrow guys or if that was the weather. But I'm glad we kind of kind of finally saw some of those instances here this past game. I think uh, the next quarterback or the next coach and I guess the next quarterback's coach in OC who takes over, I think they're going to have two guys here that um, let the best man win. And, and whoever wins, I think it's going to be uh, a promising future here at quarterback for Michigan State. One thing I want to add about Caden Hauser too, especially in that last drive, his pocket presence was yeah. very impressive. I mean, there were some times where, you know, yeah, it was just two steps. You might not notice it live, but mm -hmm. hey, if he doesn't take that, we're looking at a sack here. Right. And that obviously tanks the drive. So whether it was the Malik Carr pass, where I think he had good pocket presence in that one, or the plays mm -hmm. leading up to that, that's impressive even for a redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman. I want to reiterate that too. Redshirt freshman right. i know that it wasn't all daisies on saturday right like those interceptions not great right. <laughs> not, not ideal he had a few passes that he sailed as well yeah still a young kid i know that especially in today's age of college football where hey even if a guy early on doesn't like where he's at he just dumps in the portal immediately right and if a guy doesn't succeed early okay everyone's out on him and i'm guilty of this too i mean i overreact all the time just like the rest of you do but sometimes we have to remind ourselves Young kid, a lot of career left, redshirt right. freshman. So if yeah. this is the floor for Caden Hauser, okay, this is a good experience. I'm glad you brought mm -hmm. the temperature because I just had to do a half-mile walk the other day. It was like <laughs> 50 degrees. It was sunshine, beautiful. I still almost cried. All right, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not built for the cold weather whatsoever. I'm not even from Southern California. I'm from here, and I can't <laughs> even do it. So, yeah, I, I think it's all relevant. Now, yeah. I am also glad, Justin, that you brought up Ben Nelson. And this isn't mm. a flex whatsoever. This is actually very pathetic on my end. I like to think that I know – actually, I don't even like to think. I know for a fact. I know Michigan State's football roster better than I know my own family tree. Again, not a flex. What's, this is downright pathetic. <laughs> I, I, I haven't even heard of some of these guys that are playing <laughs> lately. You know, like when Khalil Majid takes the field a few weeks ago, it's like – I thought I knew everyone on this team. Who is this guy? And then Ben Nelson takes the field at defensive line. It's like – Hold on, who's the walk-on offensive walk, walk offensive lineman? And he's playing defensive line. It's like I, they're getting it done in the last two weeks with guys that like the common fan certainly has never heard of. And like even if you're a hardcore fan, you still may have never even heard of these people. So yeah. it's been, if not for nothing, it's been a good stretch here with two recent wins. All right. Like I, I get it, guys. The season is not fun. All right. It's been a complete colossal disaster. Except for these two games, and I gotta say, I did not expect that we'd be talking about wins after that Nebraska game and this Indiana game. <clears throat> now, quite the contrary from names we don't know, Justin. Do we want to talk about names that we do know as it pertains to this coaching search? Because the folks over on my end at Spartans Illustrated, they were able to confirm four names that are going into their second round of interviews coming up. Those four names: Jonathan Smith, Jason Candle, 
Mike Elko, Jed Fish. Do you know anything else on top of those that you want to add on to? Or do we just want to rock and roll and talk about those four guys right here? Yeah, Matt. Um, one thing that I learned earlier this week, and I guess I'll go kind of more in chronological order. Monday, okay. I was told that Mike Elko does not have a lot of interest in the Texas A&M job. And this was told to me by a national, um, a national guy that definitely is plugged in down south. And that was the only factual, like, a, opinion void thing he said. Like, that was, he passed along that fact. Okay. Then, outside of him saying that Mike Elko isn't interested in the Texas A&M job to a large extent, he added some theories. Um, so I wanted to separate that part as being fact, and now this part is him speculating. His speculation was it was more so that he wanted to stay at Duke and kind of do something where he is known as the guy that basically created Duke football from scratch. He wanted to be that yeah. guy that is remembered forever for doing something that the program, hopefully once he, he can elevate them, he'll, they'll stay at that level for, forever and he'll be credited with that and that he didn't care about money. He didn't care about kind of jumping to a higher level. That was what his theory for why he didn't want the Texas A&M job was um, back on Monday. And also in that same turn, he speculated that as a result, he's like, honestly, I don't know if you want the Michigan State job either. So quietly, right. you know, I was kind of like, not disappointed, but like um, kind of just, he, he was like at the top of my coaching board this whole time. And I thought Michigan State should be able to land him um, if, if they put forth the money. And I, I thought he would do a good job here. But I kind of just kept that to myself. Like I didn't go on the solid VIP board and say, hey guys, get your hopes out of Mike Elko. It's not happening because like I just said, that was all speculation other than the one factual part about him not actually having that much interest in Texas A&M Thursday. I believe it was Thursday. Yeah. Thir whenever I posted on, on the VIP board, um, this was right after um, your, you guys, David Harnes, I believe that they had that yeah. report of those four. Um, yep. th this was the same day as that. So then I, then I posted after hearing back from, from this individual down South that's plugged in. He said, scratch everything I said about the speculation for why Elko doesn't want the Texas A&M job. It actually comes down to the fact that when he was the defensive coordinator there, he did not like that culture. He didn't like what Jimbo had to go through. And he's put off significantly by a place where donors kind of run that show. Yeah. And he said also, as a result, scratch that he might not be interested in the Michigan State job. Now, granted, that does not suddenly mean that Michigan State and Elko are a done deal or that it's, it's suddenly easy. Duke is yeah. still going to pay him or they're going to try to pay him a, a huge chunk of change as his next extension. Rumors were, I, and this I was told secondhand information from somebody that usually knows coaching contracts around the country, but also couldn't confirm it because Duke is a private institution. The rumors that this individual had heard were that Elko's first contract at Duke was, was for 3 million. Mm -hmm. um, I know that sounds cheap, but, he was making 1.2 as Texas A&M's defensive coordinator. So he got, he got almost a, he got almost tripled that salary and he got a head coaching position at the P five rank. So that, that adds up to me. Then that his salary after that, after the first nine win season he had at Duke um, last season, that this past winter, he was elevated to about anywhere from 5.75 to 6 million, anywhere in that range. Okay. So if those numbers are accurate, I would say that the numbers that Duke could probably put in front of Mike Elko this offseason would probably be in that 6.8 to 7.2 range. Now, Michigan State is not looking to go ahead and just light money on fire and just pay somebody 9 or $10 million, yeah. uh, because, frankly, nobody's worth that money in the current market. Dan Lanning, you could say is. Lane Kiffin probably could say is. But other than that, you probably shouldn't be paying anybody $10 million in this current market. Maybe a Kalen DeVore, but I, I know that I have some hesitancies with him. But any of these guys, they're not deserving of $10 million. However, the thing is, is that on one hand, it shouldn't take $10 million for you to get an Elko or a Jonathan Smith. Because if they're getting about $7, $7.2 million as their next raise at Duke or Oregon State, Mm -hmm. They either should be willing to come to Michigan State for about the same money, maybe seven and a half, seven point eight, or if they're demanding eight, nine, ten million, they frankly don't want to be here. And then your decision is is even easier. Yeah. So I don't think money will be an issue here either way. It's either right. you're going to get somebody by matching their current extension offer or going a little bit above it, or the guy's going to tell you honestly that he doesn't want to be here by asking for an exorbitant amount of, of amount of money. So I, I really don't see that money being an issue here in terms of getting it done. 
It's just, uh, does he does he want the job? So we'll see about that. But yeah, I think uh, Elko is going to be over here as a, another finalist. I think Jonathan Smith will be too. Um, Jed Fish, I know that there's some hesitancy for Michigan State fans, whether that's because he was originally at Michigan or whether it was comments from, I know Brian Lewerke had um, some sentiments about, about um, Coach Fish um, on a podcast okay. of his. Um, I frankly didn't didn't hear it, so I I don't want to take it out of context. But I think kind of what the way it was it was passed along to me was Brian had said, and this is me paraphrasing the quote essentially. He has said that I don't think he would be a good coach for Michigan State or anyone, and if he was, I think he would leave right away. Couple of things with that, um, okay. the or anyone part, I would argue is definitely already invalid because. He's already been it's a good working. coach for Arizona. Yeah. Um, and then for the second part of that, uh, where he says that I think he'd leave right away. Okay, maybe. But you know how good of a season you'd have to have at Michigan State for you to get pride away to go somewhere better? Right. Right. And this then the other wrestle thing, with. Right? Yeah. I, I, I then, wrestle with this, too, because he he is nowhere that he's been for more than three years. Right. In his line, but also like he's being pulled away from offensive coordinator roles, right. you know, passing game coordinator roles. Like very rarely is he at the top job of a head coach. Where right, right. now at Arizona, where his contract's like two and a half million. Okay, of course that he's right. looking to jump ship to go somewhere where the grand prize is hey, right? In East Lansing, we're offering six or seven million right now. But right. and here's the other thing too. We want him because he's doing so good at Arizona. So this is why me, as a you know meatball fan, I wrestle with the Jetfish thing because, yes, right. he does jump place to place. But shoot, okay, like if he jumps from Michigan State to the NFL after three years, it's not because he went four and eight, four right. and eight, seven and – you know, like he's right. doing good things here. So it's yeah. like, well, maybe that's not a bad thing if he's just here for three years because that means right. he's gotten here. Stabilize everything and is out. Sorry, right. I just had to interrupt. No, 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 I have no. been wrestling. I have been yeah. wrestling with this <laughs> mentally right. the last few days with the jet fish thing, but I'm in for it. Why not? Right, yeah. for sure. And and this yeah. this is also just a, a general topic that I I kind of have a hardline stance on when it comes to any school, any position. Where I was talking to somebody about the Penn State offensive coordinator opening, and they were saying, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if Penn State should hire Sean Lewis because what if he just is looking to use Penn State to become a head coach. Well, that, that means he great. had a great offensive season for you guys. <laughs> awesome. After, yeah. After that. So <laughs> I, I say always hire somebody that you think is a threat to go higher yeah. and better because that means they have a lot of potential to do a lot of good in a short amount of time for you. Right. And uh, you're going to probably be at a better spot for your next hire than you are currently if you just hired someone that goes ahead and elevates your program and takes off. So, um, again, like obviously, is, is it preferred to get your next Mark D'Antonio? Sure. But – at the end yeah. of the day, the number one priority is to win football games. Now, if you think you can get somebody like a Mike Elko who can do both, and he, he's going to be there for the long run, and, and he's he looks like he can win games, sure, that's why he's at the top yeah. of my list. Jonathan Smith, I think he'd probably be more of a stable choice as well. That's why he's above Jed Fish. But that doesn't disqualify anybody, in my opinion. And kind of the last thing on the Lewerke, or on the Lewerke comments, um, Brian was the quarterback when I was at Michigan State. I have nothing but good things to say about him. Always, oh, always was a, yeah. was a big supporter of his. Like him a lot. Here's the thing, though. Brian was the quarterback uh, for the New England Patriots when Jed Fish was there for about 37 days. You don't really get to know a coach for 37 day in 37 days and then kind of assess whether or not that coach is cut out for success long term or not. And you especially don't if that coach is the one that had the hand in cutting you from the team. So I just sure. kind of want to add that context of like, like I said, respect Brian Lewerke a ton. He he oh, did yeah. all he could to win at Michigan State. He had a great 2017 season that that brought a lot of good memories for me. But I frankly don't don't put a lot of don't put a lot of weight into into that assessment at all. I'm a huge Brian fan. I mean, yeah, Justin, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to break out in hives actually right now. <laughs> do we do it? Do we what do we? Them? What, do, do I can't talk about I, him. I, I I would cease and desist to mention his name. Here's how I'm going to shoehorn Irvin Meyer's name in this conversation. <laughs> all right, you ready for this? This this is how I'm going to do it. Speculation. No inside. I want it to be very abruptly clear. I have no inside information. I'm not trying to be all cutesy like, oh, I know, and you guys don't. But let me just wiggle my way in. No, no, I I know nothing. All right. Coincidence. Interesting. Ironic or none of the above, 
that Matt Ishbia is sitting courtside at the <laughs> Alcorn State-Michigan State game the same week where Michigan State is most likely going to make their college football hire. I, like, is, is that interesting? And if it is interesting, is that because maybe there's even a percent chance that, hey, he's doing a last pitch, sales pitch to the select department for Urban Meyer? Or since, you know, we do know he's hands-off, this isn't like a billionaire right. donor where we see at other programs where it's like, no, you're going to do this or you're never seeing another penny of my money. That's not the guy that Matt Ishbia is. That is what is rumored to be what he is not. And also by right. practice, too. It's very clear that so far everything is true so far about what we hear about him. Right. So is that like – just did he just want to have some beers at Harper's today and he just ran across the Alcorn State game? Or is there actually something interesting to this where he wants to see the final steps of whoever the coaching hire is going to be? Or, hey, I, look, th- this is a guy that – he's a go-getter, all right? He wants Kevin Durant. He got Kevin Durant. He wanted Bradley, right. Bradley Beal. He got Bradley Beal. And, oh, yeah, this is for the Phoenix Suns because yeah. he wanted to own a sports team. He got himself a damn sports team. Like, yeah. this yeah. is a go-getter. So, I don't know. I just see him on the sidelines of this uh, Alcorn State game. I'm like, hmm, I was 1% for Urban Meyer, but now I'm a robust 5% right now. <laughs> or am I just completely delusional and insane right now? And am I overthinking this so much right now? It can't you be know, I, all that. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't I don't think it's a coincidence. I think um it's it's pretty clear cut that Ishbia was there to push through um Danny Nos for, for head coach. I think <laughs> oh, um, I'm leaving. All right. <laughs> Good seeing you, Justin, as always. Take care, guys. I'll be back. <laughs> um, Danny Dimes. Just <laughs> oh. man, it'd be nice to send him some outlook emails and, and get the plays called that I want. Some, that some would be orbit nice, motion, yeah. orbit motion, <laughs> dip dive screens to the to the weak side. Ah. Dan, come on over. Uh, but no, I I think I think your your concept there is is not flawed. I think his okay, timing thanks. to come his thanks. timing to come to a Alcorn State Michigan State home game um when he could catch Michigan State at Arizona um in yeah. a few days and make a shorter flight yeah. um that is not just um something you throw aside however the co- the counterpoints Matt Please. Maybe he was maybe he was just here for some United Wholesale Mortgage business and said, "Hey, before I leave, let me, extend my, let me extend my trip for a day and watch Michigan State and then head out." Boring counterpoint. Counterpoint number two, Matt. Um, or I guess not really a counterpoint, but I guess something that something that we don't know for sure. Okay. I know, I know that Graham Couch said that that Ishmael wants Urban Meyer, and I'm not disputing that. I sure, think, uh, I think Graham wouldn't just say something that he that he doesn't have sourced well. The -hmm. thing is, though, as you said about how hands-off he is uh, with everything that is Michigan State related, like Matt would be the first one to tell you that he probably doesn't know the too deep of Michigan State football. Like he takes pride in not being one of those SEC donors that are, that are telling Mike Elko who to play at um, (laughs) each of his positions and and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, um, this is a guy that is, hands off for the most part. So if he's going to go ahead and play these guys that are, sorry, if he's going to go ahead and wait, Matt, do you still have me over there? I got you audio. Yeah. Oh, I'm here to crystal clear. Yeah. Just can't see audio? your beautiful face, but that's okay. Camera. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what happened yeah. here. But okay. um, yeah, I lost, lost my train of thought because I was saying that, but okay. Sure. I think I, I think I accidentally unplugged the camera, but we're good back now. Um, okay. You'll see me here in a few minutes, but at, at the end of the day, yeah, sorry. I, I was rambling because I was just staring at a blank screen, but yeah, yeah at the end of the day, Israel <laughs> with MSU sports, um, pretty hands-off. I know, like you said, with the Kevin Durant and the Bradley Beal side of things, definitely a go-getter, but if he's over here not trying to meddle and he's not trying to put Michigan State in a position where they feel like he's trying to run the show, and I know that's something that Alan Haller is also sort of wary of is having the perception where oh the last last hire um i guess the hire wasn't made by the donors but the extension was kind of pushed through yeah, um right. by the donors so with that being the case um this is not a place for matt ishvia to just come in and say hire urban wire and i want it to happen so you're gonna make it happen um because i just don't think that's who he is and I think, unfortunately, for the people that want Urban Meyer, and as I've said, I'm not against the hire of Urban Meyer. I think it would yeah. be a good hire. 
I think that Michigan State would only be able or willing to do this if Ishbia came in there and said, you're going to hire him no matter what, or you'll never see another penny from me again. And unfortunately, I don't think he's ever going to do that. So yeah. because of that, because I question his his level of intensity with the urban push or his level of commitment to it, that's why I don't really tie him to the Urban Meyer side of things. Even if it is true that he wants him or he's in favor of him, like Graham said, I think there's a huge difference between him wanting him and him trying to move mountains to make it happen. Because I honestly don't think he really does that for anything unless if Izzo were to say, Matt, I need this more than anything. Right. And I don't yeah. think Izzo's doing that with Urban Meyer here. Oh, you, you think Izzo's a little prideful? You, you think, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I know. And the, the one thing I'll say about the Urban thing is like – I. I I don't think it is like this for many state fans, but I, I don't want it to get to a point where like, oh, MSU just didn't want Urban. Like, no, based on what at least I know, I'm sure you know a lot more, Justin, but like the package was there for him or maybe not even was. It is still there for him. Sometimes a guy just wants to enjoy his studio job, just enjoy his retirement, just enjoy his life. Like, look, this wasn't a thing of like, oh, Michigan State just didn't have enough for Urban. No, he asked Akeem's ransom. Michigan State brought that to him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a guy just says no. Like I, Other than kidnapping him, I don't know what else Michigan State could have done in their pursuit for Urban Meyer. So I, I know that the storylines will change here in the next few weeks, but I, it was it, it, it was there. But sometimes like the guy looks around and says, no, nah, I actually got a pretty good life just working the studio job once a Saturday. Maybe I do some interviews during the week. <laughs> Like it's it's a pretty it's a pretty great life he has right now, and I can understand why he doesn't want to get into this working eight days a week, right. fifty hours every single day minimum lifestyle of college football. Yeah. So I, again, it's 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 not it's not a zero percent chance. Like there is a percent chance, but like that's just where I want to leave off at right now. Yeah, I think if if Michigan State somehow hired Urban Meyer, which I I I frankly don't think that there's really it'd be great any shot at probably not. Yeah. I. I would probably be at like the third most excited person behind Spiro and, and Chief. Um, so like I don't yep. I don't understand where this notion comes from that like I don't want Urban Meyer here. Um, now I, I did say on the board that I had complicated feelings about his off the field scandals of of course me not caring yeah. as much about a lot of them, but then the Zach Smith one kind of is is pretty bad. That's um, damning. Right. So, but putting that side of it aside, I think that my general stance on Urban Meyer is that he's too good of a coach for you to not try it. Um, What what I mean by that is I'm not necessarily convinced that he can win a national championship here. I don't really know if anybody can, uh, but that's a different discussion. But my thing is, let's say somehow, some way, this is finally the one tenure that he fails at, right? Let's say this, he flames out, doesn't win, doesn't even win nine games. I would rather try than not try. Yeah, so right. that that part's pretty clear cut to me is I don't know how much he's going to succeed. That's where I might differ with somebody like Spiro or Chief, where I, I, I might not agree that, oh, he comes in, he wins right away. But I would absolutely try with, with Urban than, than with a lot of these other coaches. Mm-hmm. However, that has <laughs> nothing to do with <laughs> my belief on the likelihood of him getting hired. And yeah. if I believe that it's not very likely – Tearing down a Lance Leipold or a Mike Elko or somebody else isn't making Urban more likely. And there's absolutely nobody arguing that they shouldn't hire Urban over Mike Elko. It has nothing to do with what people want. It has to simply do with likelihood. So that's why I'm just completely over the the Urban discourse. And I I think it's gone way too far. And that's that's coming from somebody that doesn't even really have anything against the hire. And as I just said, I'd be one of the more excited people if it were to happen. And that's really all I have to say about the urban thing at this point. Urban aside, the the, the coaching search I think is going as well as it possible. Am I lagging behind with you, Matt? What was that? Sorry. Oh no, am I laggy? No, sorry. I said my we. I don't know if we we're lagging behind or not. <laughs> oh, are, are we good now? I. I don't know. Are we good now? You tell me. Oh, okay. Hold on. Talk. <laughs> All right, you talk. <laughs> okay, I'm talking now. This is horrible podcasting, but it's great. This is fun. not good. This is not good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> are we on the same page at all? I can't tell if you're 10 seconds behind or if we're doing fine. I can't, I can't tell right now. 
All right, what about now? I think your your mouth is moving exactly when you're talking now. Okay. No. Are we, are we, are we in our stride? No, we're not. No. <laughs> I, well, we are about forty minutes deep, man. I don't. I the only other thing I wanted to talk about was the Jonathan Smith performance last night. Um, I'll okay. just kind of run. I'll just kind of run through it really quickly. Um, we'll talk about hoops, I guess, uh, before the Arizona game. I, we did want to talk about that as well, but yeah. not going to have people listen on the on the technical difficulties and, and make it go make it go too long. But uh, just touching on Jonathan Smith here, he had his team down twenty two to ten coming out of halftime against. Washington undefeated, college football playoff contender. The, the, right out of right out of the halftime, DJU interception, down twenty two ten. DJU pick. All hope could have been seen as lost at that point. Playing against a team such as that, what what Oregon State did after that was they went ahead and gave up zero yards after the interception, forced a field goal. Then they went ahead and went on a sixteen play, ten minute touchdown drive all the way down the field, 75 yards. Then Washington gets the ball. They hold them to minus eight yards and force a three and out. Oregon State gets the ball. They drive for a field goal. Oregon State kicks off. Um, I'm trying to do this off of memory. Okay, I think Washington once again had a punt, but then Oregon State then came up short on their possible game-winning drive. Then Washington got the ball back again. Anyway, they ended the game. Um on a score they held washington to a scoreless second half and they ended the game on a 10-0 scoring run yep lost 22 to 20 i believe so at the end of the day matt like i know there's no moral victories but just the culture the grittiness the hard-nosed nature of that team that is what that is what coaches strive for when they say i have a hard nose blue collar bring your lunch pill to work program that is exactly what oregon state football is to me um they do have a really good running back um I don't think he is anything to the point where you're, he's not even a Doak Walker semifinalist right now. Um, he doesn't even have a hundred yards and more than 50% of his power five games. So again, great running back, but it's not one of those generational talents that undermines anything that Jonathan Smith or the rest of the team has done. Um, but at the end of the day, this, that's a good looking football team, Matt. That's a good team. That's, that's a good coach. I know I'm lagging behind, so I don't know if you talk about Jonathan Smith yet, but I think he'd be a great candidate for Vitovkin. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, John, like, look, I, I've been talking up and now Jonathan Smith, like, last few weeks here. Like, what he has done in Corvallis, Oregon is, is almost miracle-working out there. Like, what he has done should be put in the New Testament of the Bible. Like, you just don't have teams like this in Corvallis, Oregon, back-to-back seasons especially. Like, this isn't flash in the pan. You can see the growth from when he took right. this program over to where they are now of how he built this Beavers program. So, yes, I know that's a West Coast guy. Everyone's worried about the awkward fit. Like, But what you're saying, though, with the actual culture, and it's so cliche, like, oh, yeah, right. well, great. A football guy that's preaching hard-nosed work ethic and toughness. But, like, right. just like you said, you, you see it in spades with with the Beavers. Like, it is very impressive what you see every single Saturday. Yeah. And, I'm already looking forward to this weekend, the Oregon-Oregon State game. Like, that's going to be a dynamite civil war out there. But, um, yeah, I, I, look, in 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 closure here on my end, Michigan State in the coaching search is in a good spot. And, like, look, I, right. I, I, would, tell, I would tell you guys if I thought otherwise. Like, if this came down to, like, <clears throat> like Pat Narduzzi, Pat Shermer, and, like, you know, just I, – I, I wouldn't be smiling right now. I'd, I'd right. be a little peeved. Peeved, if you will, yeah. Justin. I like being peeved. But, uh, <laughs> no, this is like this is fine. This is great. Like, yeah, in this market, these are some of the top names that yeah. you could have in your finalist list. Right. It's all good, baby. It's all good. I think if Michigan State can get one of Alco Smith or maybe a Jetfish, um, Lance Lightbolt, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I. He'd, I don't he'd be amazing. Happen, but... I'd be fine. I'd be fine with it. Yeah, oh, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be way more than fine. I, I, I'd be very happy with it. Um, yeah. But I just, I don't know. He's 60 years old when he takes the sideline next year, which not listing that as a negative. I'm saying that kind of makes it not as worth it for him to go ahead and, mm-hmm. and take on his third rebuild. Um, move his family, his his son. I think I've said this in previous episodes. Uh, he's, I guess, I think a sophomore in, 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 in Lawrence. He's just not at a point in his life where he's going to be motivated. But I guess he he might be looking for one final bag and cash out and, and get out. But I Which don't he think might that get a Kansas like. though. Yeah, that's I true. Think, that's true. Right. 
now that the Bill yeah. South deal is done, I have heard that the second that that pen hit ink or that pen hit paper, I should say, that they immediately got after that negotiation and he's going to get a lot of money. Um, yep. So I don't know. I just don't think that's going to happen. That's that's the reason I haven't been bringing up his name. If people are curious, it's not that I've I've gone cold on him and big big fan of his still. But yeah, yeah I think if they can get one of these three guys, um, program is going to be in a good spot. And um, as people worry about like Mississippi State opening up and UCLA possibly opening up, which it might not, but it should in my opinion. But that's that's a topic right. for another day. Um, yeah. These jobs opening up don't really matter. Um, not because like they might there might not be overlap with candidates because UCLA if it opens up they might want Jonathan Smith, but it's that like, there's really nothing about, yeah. right yeah. yeah but it, there's really that there's nothing they could have done about it that's why I'm saying it doesn't matter because okay let's say let's say it, in fantasy land right like um, that Elko goes to Texas A&M which I guess not fantasy land that that's feasible maybe if they give them more than enough money and then uh, like. Um, guarantees that they won't interfere and maybe they can swing it back in, in their favor. But right now it doesn't look like that. But let's say that happens, right? What mm-hmm. what was Michigan State to do in the meantime? Let's even say that it's not about money and Michigan State, if they get outbid by $5 million for Elko, and that's not even the part of it that hurts, and it's just the timing of it, right? Michigan State wasn't going to get Mike Elko to leave three weeks ago. The, the, the vacancy opening up at Michigan State back in September didn't mean anything. You couldn't. You, you weren't able to hire a coach back then. All you got to do was have a way longer background period. So if you hire a coach now that has skeletons in the closet that you don't find out for two years, then you can go ahead and say Michigan State squandered the timing that they had. But really, in terms of hiring a coach before someone else hires him, your early start had no relevance to that whatsoever. Someone's going to get taken from your candidate pool elsewhere. There was nothing that they could have done about that because you were not going to get the coach to leave his program three weeks ago. I guarantee it. Let's say hypothetically a coach did leave their program three weeks ago, you know, at right. the end of October to come here to Michigan State. Is that a guy you even want? No. Well, you talk about an unreliable guy, a, a guy that is ready to jump ship whenever. Right. Like, e- even if we are in this fantasy land where right. things don't make sense, a guy did leave. <laughs> yeah. That's not a guy I want. Like, right. no. So it was never going to happen that way. And I, I, I think most fans understand that. Right. that yes, they're, they're, but. God, it, it doesn't not annoy me when I see sometimes like, oh, see, this is why it hurt that we sat on this for seven weeks. It's like, it's right. just, join us in the real world. Like, no one was going to <laughs> leave until like Thanksgiving week at right. the earliest. So, yeah, it's, yeah, drives me up a wall. I look, yeah. hey, again, the, the majority of state fans, like, they know what's going on, they know right. how the process works, but it's just that vocal minority that has no idea how the real life actually works. That's driving me up a GD wall right now, Justin. But hey, it's okay. <laughs> it's a happy weekend. I'm in a good mood right now. It's okay. Yeah. It's all good. I yeah. I think at the end of the day, there should be a new coach here in the next week or so. Um, you'd like to think. What's um, your guess for day? Call your shot right now. I got aggressive. I said we will know inklings by Wednesday, which I already feel like I should be walking back. But my feet are in the so, sand right now, so I think that Wednesday will be when we'll be feeling things. So I'm pulling up a calendar here. Um, yeah. The ch- the chief of propaganda, um, very neutral fan, uh, as, as we reference here from time to time. <laughs> Down the middle, non-biased, tweeted, correct. <laughs> right. He tweeted today that Mark D'Antonio was announced as Michigan State's head coach on November 27th. Um, looking at the calendar here. November 27th, the 17th anniversary of Mark D'Antonio's hire falls on next Monday. Now, if you ideally are looking to hire a coach in terms of a handshake agreement, um, you're probably hoping that that happens sometime this week, kind of like a Wednesday that you're saying. But ideally with the NDAs that have been signed from Michigan State employees working on this search, which I I found out was happening here a couple days ago, with that in place and the fact that the agent for this coach, it's in best interest for his client to have this not get out before he coaches his final game. I right. think they will be able to prevent a leak during this upcoming week, just because it benefits both parties. But on the 26th, 27th, that 26th, I think is where you might see a Feldman tweet of nearing a deal completion. I think the 27th right. is where you might see like a Michigan state, um, sort of graphic um, saying, welcome our 26th head coach, introductory press conference, maybe that Tuesday or Wednesday after that. That's the ideal timeline. I have not heard any intel whatsoever that that's what's going to happen, 
But you asked me for my guess. I think yeah. um, I think it might be official on the 17th anniversary of the that, of the day that Michigan State hired okay. Mark D'Antonio. Okay, because I'm also looking at it like official is different than you know social media. Right. Here, here's how I think it's going to play out. Message board screenshots are going to hit Twitter like Wednesday around 6 p.m. Okay. Kind of like when people are going to the bars before Thanksgiving, we're right. going to get like a credible message board person, whether it's you, whether it's comp, whether it's Spartans Illustrated. We're going to get some at like 2.13 in the morning going into Thursday that like, hey, serious smoke around this. We're not reporting that it's actually happening, but things are looking like that. And then by the time that you are stuffing your face with turkey, <laughs> mac and cheese, a little Caesar's pizza, whatever you guys eat on Thanksgiving – there's going to be heavy smoke around that. Like, yes, it's going to happen. And then of course we're going to get the coach denials. Like that's Thursday night or Friday of like, no, I'm not taking the job. Or like, I don't want to comment at this time of folks on Saturday's game, which that's what they're saying. That's, that's <laughs> that might lot. as well be, that is the official <laughs> announcement. And then, yeah. So I don't think anything will officially be tweeted out by Michigan state, of course, until Sunday after whoever the coach is, his games wrap up because one thing that we uh, have going for us is that none of these coaches, unless things get really squirrely for Oregon State or Arizona, none of these guys are coaching a conference championship game. Right. So we're not like on hold for another week here. Like, no, for these finalists, I'm sorry, that's disrespectful. Jason Candle, he will be in a conference championship game. That's true. I, I guess I'm just dismissing them altogether. But if it's a mm-hmm. power five guy, right? you don't got to wait around those extra seven days for being cordial and you know, just being a good delegate of the process. Like, no, you can – Run that up the flagpole midnight on Saturday if you want to. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be fascinating. Guy, it's finally here, Justin. Right. Right? Like, this, like this is exciting. We've been sitting on this yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Oh, this is great. This is great. This is exciting. Yeah. I, I'm trying to recall, and I, I'm pretty sure that there was not a single whisper, but when USC hired Lincoln Riley – Oh, that was the the, best. S- the Sunday after his final game as Oklahoma's head coach. There was not a single whisper, a single credible rumor, no. not even his name being linked to the USC job. I believe. No, just twenty four hours before that, right? It was the best. So what happened is that he was heavily rumored to LSU, and he said, "Yes, with yeah, emphasis from his chest." He said, yeah. "I am not taking the LSU job, right?" Because. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to USC. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm headed yeah. to the palm trees. I headed to the bayou right now. Let's get yeah. so that was oh, that was such a great chapter in college football history. Right. Oh, that was great. I, I think I think if if Alan Halleck can have his way, that is the exact way that that this would play out. Where Elko or Jonathan Smith, there's not a whisper. There's not anybody asking them about it beyond kind of you know what they're already asking about. Have you interviewed? Have you interviewed? Yeah. Anything right. beyond that. Other than them finishing that game, and then the next day there's a tweet from Bruce Feldman saying that so-and-so is going to Michigan State. We'll see if they can pull it off. They've done a great job of not having any leaks so far. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see if the agents, uh, many of who are just making stuff up, um, (laughs) no disrespect to um, a ball coach out there on the East Coast. But that's the game. Um, the game is the yeah. game. Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. I mean, I, I'd be doing the, I'd be doing the same if I was Tony Elliott or Manny Diaz's agents. But sure. Oh anyway. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think uh, we'll see what happens. But I I'm fairly confident that these guys are going to keep this buttoned up better than better than I think. Better better than we may think. So we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Man, I'm just so vulnerable this week too. I'm really doing like a like a self inspection of of my mind right now. Like if. If if Twitter user like go green sixty nine four twenty just tweets out like hey Jonathan Smith announced the next twenty four hours I'm gonna believe it I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go for it I'm gonna be like hey that guy knows something probably like yeah. surely I'm gonna just take his word for anything like I oh, god this is yeah. just exciting I gotta say like too I this, this sounds crazy I, I'm excited for Friday game two at Ford Field like it, it's gonna be a oh I, I agree I totally agree oh it's gonna be a hoot and a half and like I'm a little scared because like I, look I, I don't think it's any secret that like I. I fancy myself a few drinks every once in a while. Like I go by Fireball Somalia and Twitter for God's sakes. But <laughs> guys, I'm, I'm a little washed. Like I, the, the last two months of my life, I, I really have not been drinking whatsoever. Like since my kid has come, I had a beer tonight. It took me like two hours to finish it. <clears throat> Justin, I, I fear on Friday, like if I have two shots and two beers, I, I will be sent to the shadow realm on Friday. <laughs> like I am, I'm the opposite of condition for this Friday. So God, I'm, I'm excited. 
And I'm also a little scared about what to expect because I, I know I'm going to have a tall boy Miller Lite. I might even have two, and that's after tailgate. And that, when this game oh. is six to three at halftime, you're going to need it. Oh. Oh. oh, and I know I will. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't need a third white claw this game. And then next thing you know, I'll be cracking it open, and then I, I, I won't know how I got home that night. Like it's, it's gonna be nuts. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. I'm so scared. But man, it's gonna be great just to be with Spartan Nation of Metro Detroit in a climate controlled building. Yes. I know this is a sticking point with state fans, the whole Ford Field or Spartan Stadium thing, but. I'm sorry. I'm a little excited yeah. for this Ford Field game, but I agree. I agree. I think. I think. Can't first wait. of all, the kids love it. The kids get to play in an NFL stadium. Um, this game is going to be ugly. Um, yeah. Penn State's defense is as advertised. I know they They're got great. They, yeah, yeah, I know they got shredded by Michigan last year um, in Ann Arbor, um, yeah. where that kind of inside zone just decimated them for for just yard after yard and all game long. But other than that, last year Marvin Harrison Jr. by himself beat Manny Diaz's defense. This year, Marvin Harrison Jr. himself beat Manny Diaz's defense. And his defense held held its own against Michigan this season, unlike last season, where right. yeah, sure, they ran it 32 times at the end of the game, but it wasn't for a high yards per carry average. Um, it was not necessarily any sort of domination, and, and they've held their own. So through the last four times that they've played like a top five, top seven team, they've held their own and they've done so in other games too. So that defense is legit. Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac are going to be very hard for Michigan State's offensive tackles to block. It is going to be very hard to score any points against that defense. However, luckily the, the, the James Franklin pattern of hiring bad OC after bad OC with James Moorhead sandwiched in between and then more bad OCs around that, that is still continuing. It's a thing. And, it's um, a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Yurcich has been relieved of his duties, but I have a hard time believing that his replacement is a better OC than him because that guy was not an OC yet. So, man, it's going to be ugly. <laughs> First team to 10. Yeah. All the glory. That's right. Yeah. Be it might be the case. Yeah. If either team scores 13 points by the second quarterback, you might as well leave because you already know who won. Uh, pack it up and then go home and tell the kids yeah. all about it. Yeah, I, just, I can't wait to get back there. Oh, yeah. I, like I'm excited to be a state fan again. And it's yeah. not like I ever withered or like, oh, I'm not watching this team anymore. Right, like, right, no, right. just like all you watching, listening right now at minute number 58 of the Michigan State podcast, you are very likely the same. But it, you'd be lying to yourself if you said that you didn't have an extra pep in your step this week because it's, it's been a nice. Yeah. Nice 72 hour stretch for uh, for us state fans going back to last Friday with the, the hockey games, basketball yeah. games. I just, oh God, yeah, and, and yeah, just, just the last point about that some of these hires that, that Haller has made, um, in these sports across the board, they've been some they've very, been fine. Good hires. very good, very good, fine, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, that doesn't mean that that he might not get this hire wrong, but one thing's for sure is that. On today's date, he is more than qualified to make this hire. Um, you know, like you look at even Adam Nightingale, and, and you can say pretty accurately that a lot of that was just, you know, the hockey community telling him, hey, Nightingale's the guy. But that's a skill. Mm-hmm. That is a skill to lean on people that you know may have more knowledge on the facet of, of, of whatever you're working on. And just yeah. saying, yeah, I think that I agree. I've looked at it with my own set of eyes, and I, I see what you guys see, and let's do it. Whereas he easily could have said, let me do my job. I'm not going to let you guys influence me, influence me and, and do it, go in a different way. Um, and then with, with Coach Freilich and Leah Johnson and Jeff yeah. Hosler, this guy knows how to hire coaches. We'll see if that continues. That That's also. to be seen. But it's as good of a start kind of so far, at least in terms of hiring coaches as you'd like to see. And I all might need to be fine-tuned a little bit, but I yeah. think I think hiring coaches, I think I think Haller so far has, has kind of had the Midas touch. Well, happy, most likely, end of the coaching search week, everyone. We finally yeah. made it. We're here. JT, yeah. this has been a, a beautiful chat. I like how we, beforehand been. we texted each other being like, yeah, that would be a little short today. Yeah. We're just coming up in an hour, <laughs> and we didn't even talk about no. basketball whatsoever. That'll come yeah. later this week. <laughs> For sure. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. As I always say, you guys do a great job with the with the comments and the likes, but the subscriber numbers, guys, do not add up with the view count. So if you're watching this, please go ahead and hit subscribe. We've done a good job of not kind of polluting the feed with short clips and, and multiple videos so that you guys wouldn't have tons of notifications so that if you subscribe, you're only getting new full episodes. Um, so we've done that for you guys to, to be more susceptible to subscribing. 
So please go ahead and do that. We'd really appreciate it. And thanks, as always, for listening. I'm Justin Thin. That's Matt Sheehan. And we will see you here soon. I'll see you all at Ford Field. I'll see every single one of you at Ford Field. Let's go. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> if if you're a conscious. All right, guys. <sighs> yeah.